Good morning, beautiful people. Hello, folks. So today, Raf is on his way to Paris, as we speak, actually. So I'm alone. Not really. I have a mysterious guest with me, and I'd like to introduce our guest in his own words. Although Icelandic, he's not grouchy, growly, or grimacing. Although he has a wool sweater and might occasionally toast the god of thunder, he's slain zero enemies. Not a typical Viking warrior, exactly. Oskar Bragi Stefansson is a laid-back poker face teacher of Icelandic. His company, Speak Viking, focuses on helping people learn Icelandic in unconventional and unique ways. Godan dagen, Oskar. Godan dagen, Rita. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? You know, I'm a bit sick, but very, very happy and pleased to have you here with us today. Likewise, likewise. So today, uh, dear listeners, we're going to talk about very interesting things. I'm going to just lay out for you a bit uh, the topics. So we'll start with something very cultural, uh, typical when we think about Iceland, something related to names, uh, surnames. And then we will talk about your journey, Oscar, as an Icelandic teacher and an experiment, a very interesting linguistic experiment you took part um, in on YouTube. Um, and then finally, we will talk about the most important question here. Why is Icelandic such a mysterious language to some? What makes it difficult? And we'll expect from you to give us that tip of the year. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start. So, Oskar, um, I started this conversation telling you literally go on dying and you didn't look or seem any shocked or, you know, disturbed by this. What did I mean by that with my terrible accent? Well, people in Iceland are quite uh, used to hearing people say go on dying and uh, we're actually pretty happy when, when we hear it for some strange reason. <laughs> so isn't rude to tell you that, right? What is the meaning then? <laughs> Well, the I guess you know where it comes. Uh, where I noticed this was this great meme of uh, two ladies walking around with uh, supersized coffees, and one of them is saying, "You know, go on, dying," and the other one just responds, "Dying." Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so that's basically what that is. Is that um, in English? If we said that, it sounds horrible. But in Icelandic, when we say "go on, dying." We're actually saying good day. Wow, wonderful. So no need yeah. to feel that it's rude or to feel insulted. It's just a beautiful way to start a conversation with somebody. So could you say it again slowly so that I can get the pronunciation? Yeah. Golden dying. Golden dying. Okay, thank you very much. So I loved it. This is like the first joke actually you shared with me because we have to tell everybody You've been teaching me Icelandic long ago. <laughs> it was amazing, by the way. Um, and I, I loved it because it was the yeah. first thing that you said to me and I remember it. And it's really cool to have these kind of tricks, you know, to remember words in a different language. So I loved it. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, but there is something else. Okay. I introduced you and I said, I'm sorry again for my pronunciation. Your name is Oscar Bragi Stefansson, right? Yo, yo. So when we think of Iceland or even other Scandinavian countries, at least, you know, in my in my case, we always think of those names, you know, family names with son at the end or dotir. But Bragi, I thought of, is there any relation with uh, the god, like or a myth or something in your culture? Am I wrong? No, you're quite right. And there is quite a few of these names that, you know, people have like 
Freya and Thor and Bragi and Bragi it's a bit of a it's a bit of a softer god it's not the god of uh, thunder it's it's the it's the Norse god of uh, poetry wow yeah wow it makes yeah. sense why you're so eloquent uh. oh thank you. <laughs> thank you okay so i did a bit of research and i heard that like Bragi now i know how to pronounce it it's the son of odin right yeah and also of another goddess her name i don't know how to pronounce as f r i g g frick frick so the question here is since these are quite natural names i i understand are common Yo. like be used and shared even now Yo. if you could explain already what are the sagas what are the eddas and is it something that you every icelandic child grew up reading or has a mention of at school or not at all it's something just we made up outside of iceland we think you all guys know about it well i think it's i think it's a good um i think it makes sense that the people have this idea that the the sagas the eddas and the sort of nordic gods that sort of mythology is embedded in iceland icelandic culture and the people because we sort of we in the general sense have been carrying around these stories uh verbally trading them uh keeping them alive for centuries so they are a really big part of our culture now when it comes to sort of individuals there's there are sort of different degrees varying degrees of how into the sagas and the eddas and the mythology of the nordic gods so i'm on a scale of like 1 to 10 i'm probably like a 4 when it comes to that sort of thing but but uh but you know some people will be all the way up there to like 9 and 10 and um I do think it's a very important part of our history and culture. That's great. I I'm, I'm we'll talk about it a yeah. bit like later, but this question came up to me because of like the experiment we'll be talking about later. In that video something has been mentioned and you mentioned it yourself about the fact that Iceland has been isolated for some time. It's isolated from the continent, from the other Scandinavian languages and the way, you know, it evolved and kind of no seeing that in also in the names there is much more influence of those like the myths and stuff in naming people that maybe even in Norway that I see but sometimes not often that's why I thought maybe is it something that is really you know present in their day life when they are young they learn about it or not at all you know so and 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 these days like i mean lately on netflix or all over actually there is a v- revival of this kind of mythology so i i thought it would be interesting to have your point of view as a uh, islander <laughs> yeah yeah thank you i think it's a great question uh rita and we do learn about these things in school um both the sagas uh like gunnar auhlidrenta the famous hero and uh the Atus, the the Snorra Atus, and all these sort of stories about people that are kind of like you know in in Romeo and Juliet, you know the the, the Capulets and the Montagues, mm-hmm. or you know in in America you have like the Hatfields and the McCoys, like two families that go to war with each other mm-hmm. because somebody had sex with somebody's wife and that was not okay. <laughs> um, so you have you have that sort of thing and then you have the more sort of mythology side of it which is like 
uh, Odin and Thor and Loki, which is more sort of like, it's more kind of like that Marvel feeling of like fantasy and, and uh, crazy things happening, you know, people making the thunder come down from the sky and, you know, riding horses with eight legs and all this crazy stuff. And there is a lot of feeling from Icelanders of pride, of not just, you know, not like, oh, I'm I'm the god of thunder kind of thing, <laughs> if, if your name is Thor, but this sort of like, you know, we have a connection to something. Yeah, carrying this whole, the whole history behind it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question. You've been mentioning all these gods. Are you uh, on purpose pronouncing them the English way or is it the same way you pronounce them in Icelandic? No, yeah, I'm I'm doing it a little bit of a I'm I'm going into the English way, so they do sound a little bit different. So, Thor, Thor, okay, and Odin. How do you say Odin? Odin, Odin. Okay, I love the the the. the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot for this wonderful introduction. So now we would like maybe to talk about you know like your journey. I have to tell everybody, I receive a newsletter from you and you guys, I'm going to put it on the show notes. You absolutely have to subscribe. It's really fun and cool. I love the fact that you said like factories about yourself, you know, about your journey. How did you start all that? Why did you decide one day you know, just to teach Icelandic to foreigners? Well, it was, you know, I would like to say that there was sort of like a very, you know, um, noble and uh, like altruistic reason behind wanting to teach people but basically i was just thinking about okay well people are making money online and you know how can i make some money online what what can i do and i was kind of looking at my skill set and i wasn't seeing a whole lot of potential but i did know that i could speak icelandic and if i could speak icelandic i could write icelandic i could uh probably teach somebody else how to do that and so that's that's how i I got started in uh, 2014 and I started looking around and I found, you know, places like italki and I think I became the very first teacher on italki that taught Icelandic. And uh, yeah, it's just been kind of a, a evolving process ever since. Wow. You say it wasn't maybe the fact that you, like, it wasn't the first kind of um, motivation for you, you know, to start just helping people. Certainly, but as you said yourself, you were the first teacher on italki teaching Icelandic. And I know that there are so many people asking for resources, for people to help them learn that language. So it's, in a way, you're helping people still. And what I loved is in our network, Easy Languages, we love also unconventional ways of learning, like teaching languages. We do street interviews, which is not really academic, you know. So I wanted to learn more about how do you proceed, you know, how do you do to teach Icelandic? What are the things that you find fun in teaching Icelandic to foreigners? Yeah, well, I think something that you brought up at the beginning, you know, this thing about like, go on dying, go on dying. It's like, it's a silly meme online. But just by the fact of, you know, using that to break the ice with a student for the first time, as you experienced, is like that jolt that sort of that that kapow that uh little explosion that leads to a kernel of knowledge getting stuck inside the head mm -hmm. of rita the icelandic student all the way over in france 
just by saying something kind of silly. And I think, you know, what you're mentioning with, you know, the videos that you guys do, the street interviews, a lot of times what gets left out of education is entertainment. Definitely. It's get, it's yeah. boring. Sometimes with books, we just get bored. I mean, I love reading Oof. books, but just when you get alone in front of a book and start just making exercises or grammar or whatever, isn't maybe the best way to start, you know, being in touch with the culture and language. So yeah, yeah I second that. I really, really, it really stuck with me and so many other things that you taught me. And, and I thank you for that. And I think it's amazing. I think you also have a YouTube channel that you're starting, right? I do. Yeah. I have a YouTube channel and it's, uh, like many other things, it's been evolving for a while. And uh, I'm putting out more videos. And uh, there's one that I'm working on right now, which is also kind of an unconventional way of teaching, which is uh, my student brought this song to me that he wanted to learn. And uh, we're in this video that is going to be coming out soon. We're simply just going over the lyrics and going over, okay, well, what does this mean? And did you understand this sentence? And something about not simply just hearing a song and learning it like uh, like a parrot, something about getting deeper into the language itself makes you understand the context and the history. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just gives you a, a deeper knowledge and a feeling for the language and so and all the references behind actually right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. exactly exactly i love it what about speak viking why did you choose that name for your your business i I really love it speak viking i feel like once i learn icelandic i'll feel like more like a viking (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 an amazing it's an amazing name and i can't take any credit for it um it was all my wife's idea she came up with a name and i think it's what it's beautiful about it is that it sort of combines like it's not like learn icelandic which is a little bit boring speak viking is more like speak viking because that is what people connect to when they think about icelandic oh the vikings Yes, definitely. Definitely. I love it, really. Let's start now talking about this experiment. So I think if I'm not mistaken, a year ago, you took part on this, like you made a video um, on the Ecolinguist channel. Yeah, so so uh, Norbert, Norbert, he very graciously invited me onto his uh, monster of a channel with thousands and thousands of su- subscribers and, and so many views. And it's this really cool experiment that he ran uh, with uh, Jackson Crawford hosting it. And uh, it was to see whether sort of, you know, modern day Scandinavians would be able to understand Old Norse. So let me stop you there. Could you already explain to our listeners who might not have any knowledge about it, what is Old Norse? Yeah, so Old Norse would be sort of like the proto Scandinavian language that the Vikings, um, history tells us, all sort of spoke, whether they were um, over in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, there was this sort of collective language called Old Norse that they would speak with each other. Amazing. So basically, during that video, um, Jackson Crawford, who's a PhD, and I think he specialized in Scandinavian languages and Old Norse in particular, if I'm not mistaken, 
was reading to you guys sentences in Old Norse and then showing them to you and trying to make you guess the meaning, right? Exactly, yeah. That was fun to watch. I'm going to definitely <laughs> put that on, on the show notes. It was amazing because it was so easy for you <laughs> as an Icelander. I mean, it was hilarious because you were, like, I mean, all of you were supposed to repeat those sentences in your own language. And it was literally kind of the same in Icelandic. Basically. <laughs> well, the thing is that, yeah, I should say that I was very, uh, I had a very unfair advantage against the other guys from Norway and Denmark because their language has simply just evolved further away from the Old Norse, whereas Icelandic has stayed closer in touch with the Old Norse language. So, yeah, the the basic fact is that you don't need an Icelandic expert <laughs> to to be able to understand Old Norse. There might be like words here and there that don't make sense, but when you get sort of like a context of a sentence in Old Norse, you can pretty much guess uh, with relative ease what is being said. So I was, um, yes, I had I had a very unfair advantage. I've never really felt like uh, Mike Tyson in, in my life very much, but that was very much a time that I felt a little bit like I was Mike Tyson. And, uh, I can feel it. Like, I totally understand. But it was funny because yesterday I, I watched it. And, and as you know, I learned some Norwegian. My Norwegian is not like far from being perfect. I'm no native speaker. But it was really funny because I was able to get more things than the Norwegian dude. And I was kind of surprised. But then I came to realize that it's not because my Norwegian is more amazing than his or whatever, which is not the case, obviously. But it's just because at some point I had more also a uh, distance with uh, those languages, the Scandinavian languages, and I was relating it a lot to English. So I, he was struggling sometimes with detta or something, and then I was like, this, that, or there, you know? I was like, that's obvious because of English, you know? I don't know if it, it makes sense. I had no pressure because I was, of course, alone, no cameras on me, you know? I was at home, I was just listening, and I was like, ugh. And then I also felt like Mike Tyson, you know? I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I really recommend this video, guys. It's just great. And I think it's really cool to learn that, you know, random Icelander, um, of course, you're not a random Icelander because you're a teacher. But I mean, as you said, anybody in Iceland could definitely get a diploma in Old Norse after a month <laughs> or so. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> Um, well, well, guys, really go and watch the video. Uh, thanks a lot for talking about this amazing experience you had and the experiment they made. And of course, uh, we'll try one day to have Norbert here as a guest also to talk about everything he does in his channel. Um, but I really want to see more of these things also in your own channel, Oscar, in the future. And you will, you will. Yeah, there are definitely some things in the pipelines and the channel is going to get much better very soon. That's really cool. So maybe we can talk about, as we said in the beginning, this third section about something that is, I mean, everybody who heard about Iceland maybe don't have much knowledge about the language, think it's such a mysterious language because of the culture related to it, you know, those myths and everything we spoke about before, but also it sounds so difficult. Uh, what makes it difficult exactly? Well, there are... Special characters might be one of the things that are a little bit tricky. And, and you mentioned that uh, thing about thought, thought, if, 
the the rolling of the R's. R, R. And then just some mm-hmm. of the uh, combination of letters might be difficult to say. Uh, like one that people struggle with a lot is when you have sometimes two L's together. Oh, how is it pronounced again? Etl, etl, etl. So can you give us an example in a word? Yeah, so you could say like, Yeg au etlivu yarabir. Yeg au etlivu yarabir. Etlivu means 11. So I have 11 strawberries. Yeg au etlivu yarabir. Oh, like erdbeer. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it, it, it sounds, you know, there is a sound that is quite similar. I'm no, again, specialist of um, Mongolian language, but it sounds the same, like like that. Is it kind of this sound? Yeah, it, it is the sound. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, what sometimes when people struggle with doing some of these things is because, whereas I've had a lot of training, obviously, just speaking the language. So I can. <laughs> like <I can>, you. <laughs> <laughs> like you. I can just say it, but, you know, I can do it with relative ease, whereas somebody who is not used to saying that, if they're out in public and they have to say, they might be worried about looking kind of ridiculous. Yes, I, I, I totally relate to that. It's just like when I started learning Mandarin and with the tones, I was making like, you know, like these movements with my head to go with the tone and the flow. And I, I would just be like, <laughs> oh my God, people would look at me like a weirdo. So I totally understand that. So what to do like then? Should we just, just do it and let people laugh at us? I mean, imagine I'm in Iceland and I'm trying to say 11 and people are like, what is going on? Are you having a, a stroke or something? You know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this lady, she thinks she's a chicken. I don't know why she's doing that. <laughs> with her with her head going back and forth. Um, I do think that at the end of the day, you kind of have to go, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna do it. And whether or not I look ridiculous, you know, that's that's out of my control. Mm. Now, um that's not easy, but it is is simple. And uh, I think that for a lot of people too, there are like psychological barriers to learning a language and looking ridiculous because I think a lot of school is just about like you have to do this right you have to do this perfectly and there's no sort of space for people to fail exactly and that's when we fail that we learn the the best yeah yeah that's that's the thing we have something in French, we have a saying, we say, le ridicule ne tue pas, uh, literally being ridiculous doesn't kill you. So I don't know if you have a saying related to that in Icelandic, something to say, you just, you know, don't, you don't have to care about these things. Is there anything? <laughs> not not exactly like that. But I mean, um, the do you have you heard about the unofficial motto of Iceland? No, I would love to learn about it. What is it? Oh, okay, well... You know, some some of the listeners they might have heard about it, but if they haven't, the unofficial motto of Iceland is "Þetta rettast." Þetta rettast. Well, it translates to "It'll work out." Oh, I love yeah. it. So this is part of your culture. It's something that yeah, it's fine. Nothing is a problem, right? Well, this thing is a problem right now, but we'll figure it out. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So say it again once once more, please. Þetta rettast. Þetta rettast. Okay. So like 
maybe pronunciation, uh, sc- different script, different letters. I heard also that there are long words in Icelandic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is that really like a difficulty, something that people should, uh, you know, watch out for? Well, I mean, that's something that definitely, you know, you might run into trouble with if you get into like a very long sentence and yeah, you don't know what to do. Like a lot of American newscasters uh, ran into this problem when, you know, the uh, glacier erupted in Iceland, like a decade ago. We remember that here in the continent. Thank you. (laughs) And that was a very long name that the glacier had. So what was it? Wow, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce that. <laughs> so how did they how did, did they do in the US? <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you know we can look it up on YouTube and see it. You know, it has some very colorful uh, results, but it's something like Eyjafjallajökull. I mean, I love the how educated and and polite and nice you are. Colorful results, you mean? They, they did a terrible job, right? It was <laughs> an a complete, understatement. It was a complete shit show all around. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll make sure to add a video uh, with that on the show notes uh, for our listeners. Um, yeah. So, but does it work like German? Is it like that you have to add, you know, words together to create a new word? Well, yeah, the thing is about, you know, the, the, it's both a blessing and a curse, but the thing about Icelandic is it's pretty much like compound words. Like when you make a new word, you just kind of take one thing and another thing and like Legos, you just kind of like smush them together. So the name of the glacier that erupted and ruined everybody's vacations, uh, for a very long time, is Eya Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, like A. Mm. Fjalla, uh, mountain. Mm, like Fjell. Uh-huh. Yeah, or Jökull, glacier. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So it's the, so what was the first word? I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Eya. Oh yeah, the, the island. So island, Mountain, and then the last one? Jökull. Which means? Glacier. Glacier. Yeah. <gasps> That's interesting. That glacier that is in a mountain in, on that island. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of the other way around. Like the last one is maybe the most imp- how, how does it work? So that I, you know, wrap my mind around it. Like what would, like the translation, literal, I mean... It's just a name, I know. But what would you guys put all these words together? What is the kind of the, the intent? What is the meaning? Well, I mean, I th- think, you know, at the end of the day, the meaning is just like, oh, we have this thing over here. What were, what are we going to call it? <laughs> well, we're on an island and we're kind of on a mountain too. And it's a glacier. So I guess it's uh, island, mountain, glacier, I guess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I just, you know, I just imagined and pictured the person, like the first person who named it, just standing in front of it and think in that way. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing to keep in mind too is like anybody in Iceland, you know, uh, in days past, but also today is like in immediate danger, probably of freezing to death. So yeah. when you're in that situation, you kind of have to maybe come up with names very quickly. And uh, get on with the rest of your day. I think, whereas like 
in 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 France or in uh, Morocco, you sort of have like yeah. there's a nice you know it's a nice day and just oh what am I gonna call this? And you then have the time like, to figure it out, right? <laughs> and it's something beautiful and flowery that you that you make of it. Uh, so, 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 so. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, but actually, it's beautiful. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just to be clear. And I think, for example, in Morocco, also in the Amazigh language, which is the indigenous language, mm. we'll have a chance to talk about it maybe in another episode. There are so many words that like, that way, they're just descriptive, you know, you just see something and you just yeah. express what you see. And I think yeah. it's beautiful. A lot of languages do that. And I think it's really interesting. Thanks a lot for explaining that, Oscar. Of course. <laughs> well, uh, I think we came to, again, no pressure to the, you know, the, the highest point of this episode where we need from you a tip of the week. How do we make it happen to learn Icelandic without suffering, you know, through glacier and 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 fire and, <laughs> and cold <laughs> and die in there <laughs> through all these obstacles yeah. and to get to this beautiful language? Yeah. And and uh, slaying dragons. Exactly. Let's add that too. <laughs> well, I kind of have this mantra that I come back to again and again, which is uh, the kiss rule. And I really, I love the KISS rule. And the KISS rule is keep it simple, stupid. The thing about the KISS rule is it's sort of a, wherever you go and whatever you're doing, you want to sort of put yourself in a situation where you are not making things more complicated than they need to be. And I think what happens a lot of the times you know, in any field of work or learning or in life in general, is that we kind of get in our own way when we're trying to accomplish something and we make it more complicated than it needs to be. So my brilliant tip for the listeners is to keep it simple, stupid. Now, that's sort of like a very general sort of thing. It doesn't give you a specific way of going about things. Um, but I think that if you keep this rule in mind, moving forward, you will be able to get better. And I think that for a lot of people, their instincts are right. They just have maybe been conditioned or they've conditioned themselves not to trust their own instincts, not to trust their gut. I really love it, actually. And I think it's sometimes, like, even in the... I mean, I'm a very curious person, and I've been asking you these questions, and you clarified so many things for us wonderfully today. But sometimes, as you said, maybe we ask also too much, too many questions in the beginning, instead of just taking it naturally, you know, like getting like the language in our ear, getting used to the, the sounds, just trying without just thinking about others around us or what they might think of us. And, you know, if we look like fools, it's fine. You know, we're just you know, on a journey to getting even better in another language, which is fine, right? Yeah. And there are also things sometimes like the natural thing we want to do is just kind of always to compare to our own patterns, our language. And that's maybe the wrong thing to do, you know, and it complicates things because you often want to understand, but why is it that the verb is at the end? Why is it that you, you know, to express these things this way? And often native speakers of that language not, are not even able to explain to you why, because they just learned it the way it was, right? So I think uh, I love your tip. It's very clear, actually, very practical. And I'm sure the the listeners will be using that kiss. I love the word. Um, well, 
Now it's time for the call to action. I think, guys, I'll put everything on the show note, but it's very important that you go to speakviking.com and then you subscribe to his newsletter. Oscar's newsletter is amazing. You'll see it. But also to your YouTube channel, because you said you've been developing like a few videos that are coming soon, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I have one that I'm working on right now. I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to turn out really, really good. And I can't wait for people to see it. Great. So subscribe and so you can get notified when it happens. And also now the episode is ending, but we'll stay for the after show with Oscar. So if you want to be able to listen to that, become a patron and, um, you know, join our community, our amazing community, and you get more perks uh, than just the after show. You'll be able to have a live Q&A once a month with Rafaele and I, and listen to also different after shows in different languages, because we have a few languages in common with Rafaele. So I'll talk to you next week. And thanks a lot, Takhide, Oscar, for being here with us today. Thank you so Rita. Oh, thank you. Bless, bless. <laughs>